Hello everyone, welcome again. This is Alex Smith with the Integrated Fitness Podcast. Um, Today I want to talk to you about programming uh, for exercise, athletes, and general wellness. When we think about programming, you want to think about what we call volume. Volume is the amount of work done in an exercise session. Intensity, at what intensity, I went over in the last podcast, intensity is what percentage of your one rep max that you're working on. Each percentage brings about a different adaptation in the body. And then exercise selection, right? Which exercises are you picking? Um, what muscle groups are you trying to target? How are you trying to target them? And how are you trying to prepare the body so that it moves along and, and adapts to the stimulus that's placed upon it? All right. When you think about volume, there's what we call in my... Minimum effective dose. What is the little, most, the smallest amount of volume intensity that you can perform in an exercise sex, um, session to create an adaptation in the body? All right. So for each individual, uh, their training level, their um, ability to do things to help recover is going to um, determine the amount of volume you're dealing with the person. Um, if you have a young athlete about college age who's been training pretty regular for the last four to five years, their ability to recover from exercise um, bouts is going to be greater than someone who is 68 years of age or 70 years of age who is the occasional golfer who walks their dog um, regularly. So the sets and reps with the load or intensity of the weight will determine will determine overall volume, and from there, you can kind of get an idea of what the person can handle. Um, a lot of times, I guess, if you don't have an athlete year round, and you get a new person, you kind of you almost have to take a guess to a certain uh, regard based on the information they tell you on how much volume a person can hand- handle. And a lot of times, you'll get some immediate feedback from um, an exercise uh, uh, session. Either, hey, I couldn't walk the next day. Man, I couldn't sit down on the toilet. I was so sore. Maybe the volume of that session was a little too much and caused too much breakdown. Um, You should never uh, chase soreness, um, as they say. A lot of people have gone away from that. It used to be the more sore you made someone, the better of a coach you were. But as you get older, you realize that that is not how people should be feeling after an exercise session. They, they should be feeling more energized when they walk out than when they come in. So when you're picking your volume, you want to do a little bit of work um, to create just to create a stimu- a, stim- uh, a stimulation in the body. Some people like to put it, you want to stimulate the body, not annihilate the body. All right, so keep that in mind. Stimulate, not annihilate. Um, you'll know what that is. If you're doing multiple, multiple sets and you get to a point where you're crawling out of gym, you've gone too far. You want to do just enough, roughly, I'll say you, you want to work up to about 80% of your threshold Let's say you can do 100 reps and you'd be broken down the next day. You want to probably 
be between 70 and 80 on a daily basis and kind of slowly build up over time. Every week, they don't want you to have more than a 20% jump in, in total volume or total work. And then from there, um, you just build up. Usually, some coaches say a 5% jump in work volume or 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 weight or load added to an exercise. Um, if you keep the same sets and reps, and that will slowly build up over time. So a 5% jump is pretty safe, very kind of conservative. Um, if you're on a shorter time scale, like if you have six to eight, six to eight weeks to work with an athlete, you may have to take a little bit larger jumps with their work volume to try to get them prepared for their bouts. Um, that's why a lot of times coaches recommend athletes, once you get in shape, you stay in shape and you you don't want to keep trying to get back in shape from working out. You get in shape, stay in shape. It's a lot easier on the body rather than getting in shape, stopping, getting back in shape, stopping. That over time that you'll you'll run the risk of uh, injury due to the drop in volume, to increase in volume, to drop in volume, to increase. But that's for another time. Exercise selection. Um, this is where. Um, having a coach kind of helps figure out what is a good exercise for you and what's not a good exercise. Um, sometimes I will scrap an exercise based on the person's like anthropometric measurements. It just, they don't jive well. I say you never want to put the square peg or the round peg in the square hole or vice versa. You want to find an exercise that works well for the person. They feel it in the correct muscle groups. They're able to perform the exercise with little thought, and then also the exercise is progressible over time. So, if you have someone, um, you got a lady who's five foot two, who's able to get into a good position for a deadlift. If you know the deadlift, deadlift with a barbell, it could be a barbell, a trap bar, or any kind of, I guess, bar that's on the ground. And you start in the ground position with the weights on the floor. You hold it in your hands and you stand up. It's a primary posterior chain exercise. If you have a, a female who's five foot two, where the barbell is a little bit higher, she's able to get into a good position without her back is in uh, low back is in flexion. She's able to stand up and move in the appropriate movement me- mechanics. There may be a good exercise for her. Now, if you say you have a gentleman who's six foot eleven and he has to come to the same barbell because the weights are basically the same size, regardless of your five foot two or six foot 11 and he's bent down his low back is in flexion he can't get into a proper position it, the deadlift from the ground may not be the best exercise for him you probably better off switching to maybe an rdl moving to a trap bar or any other type of exercise to kind of get them going where they need to be to get the same muscle group he may have to scrap the deadlift altogether and just perform a completely different exercise um, a lot of times, um, talking to a coach who can see or has the knowledge to be able to fit an exercise with a person, that helps out tremendously. Because I've had, I'll have people go through a program, my basic program I have with kind of like a um, an assessment, and I know if right away from the assessment that they, this person may not ever deadlift from the floor, and guess what? It's okay. Not everyone is made to deadlift from the floor. I will fit them with other exercises that works well for them and helps them get to where they need to be 
in a safe and effective manner. Um, programming uh, for athletes versus general population. Um, when I'm working with athletes, I, athletes, I tend to be a little bit more, I guess, very focused. Um, I don't have, I don't change the exercises too much, and they tend to repeat the workouts, the same similar workouts, looking to try to progress each workout a little more every single time. Um, training like an athlete. And most people's um, minds is boring because you, you end up doing the same things over and over and over and over with very slight variations in those exercises, right? It'd be a deadlift. You'll start off, or I would say back squat. You're doing a back squat. You'll do back squats in day one program for about four or five weeks before you change into a box squat, <laughs> which is basically a back squat to a box, which adds just a slight very variety to the movement, but... You, you tend to run the same thing over and over again because you're trying to push the body in a specific way so that it, it allows them to perform better at their sport. That's the main goal, is to pick the exercise that has carryover to help them either move faster, become more resilient, so that they can perform their sport better. Um, you may take more risk with the athlete. Right? Sometimes they have a short time frame, they may have to take a little bit more jumps in weekly volume. Um, if you have them for a longer period of time, you can take less jumps. Um, sometimes with the workouts, they're a little bit, um, with athletes, they may be a little bit unbalanced. And when I say unbalanced, I mean, um, one thing about athletics, if you look at golfers, you look at, um, baseball players, you look at basketball players, um, their sport in itself pulls them out of a symmetrical balance. Uh, if you look at baseball players, if you look at their throwing arm compared to their non-throwing arm, their throwing arm has extreme a, a larger range of external rotation at the shoulder compared to their non-throwing arm. Their spines may be a little twisted for throwing the ball millions of times in one direction compared to the other. Hips work asymmetrically because you're doing a repeated pattern over and over and over again. Same thing with golfers. All, all golfers talk about having a tight left. If you're a right-handed golf, tight a right-handed golfer, a tight left hip or left side. They're like, man, I'm tight over here. Well, you're, the reason why you're tight is because you go full force swinging the club in one direction over and over and over again. And your body has made adaptations to better accommodate your ability to slow your body down as it rotates around your left leg. So, um, athletes they may end up a little bit more asymmetrical. Um, sometimes you want to, during the off season, you try to do your best to get them back symmetrical or as even as possible. But when the season is on, they're having to perform. You're just trying to manage that as much as possible to try to keep them from going too far overboard in one direction. Um, general population. Um, unless that person who's in general population has a specific goal that they're working towards, maybe they're getting ready for a 5K there trying to do obstacle course racing. They're trying to um, do some other things that can help get them to what they, like any other activity that they're trying to go towards. They're going to be very, their goals are going to be very broad. Like feel better, look better, be able to play with my kids. Those are kind of the goals of general population. So it's very broad. So you kind of, in my mind, I kind of like, all right, if they say, what does their kid do? They play soccer, all right? So they got to be able to run a little bit. They got to be able to change direction. They got to be strong enough to pick their kid up. 
So it's like, okay, these are kind of the goals that they have set in mind for general population. Um, you can be, add a lot more variety to their pro, their exercise selection. Like some days they do goblet squats, some days they do back squats, some days they do um, sled push, sometimes they do sled pulls. It's, it's just a matter of exposing them to as much movement as possible so that they have a, a lot of, like I guess, experience in pull. So when they're out and about, they've, they've experienced some similar movement pattern like that. So it's never nothing new when they're out and about or playing with the kids or doing yard work. Um, I take less risk with general population. Um, you try to get adaptations that you want, but you use exercises that you feel that have the best benefit to risk ratio. So a lot of times you end up, I end up, I don't know how other people are, but I end up being very conservative with my exercise selection. Selection. If I know someone has a history of back problems, I'm probably going to not do anything to maybe exacerbate the back. I will train the back to try to make it more resilient and other exercises that are deemed a little bit safer, maybe some isometric holds, maybe other means of that, other like lighter weight, high endurance type exercises to kind of strengthen it up. But I won't do any heavy deadlifting or heavy like med ball tosses or anything to kind of maybe potentially put them at risk to exasperate the back, the low back pain. Um, one thing they both have in common is you want to try to hit all the movements of the body, such as push, pull. When I say push, I mean upper body push. You can be a horizontal push or a vertical push. Uh, pulling, or this is like pull-ups or pull-down vertical or rowing, a horizontal row, dumbbell row, upper back work. I uh, tend to try to focus a little bit more on pulling and, then, and pushing with uh, my general population uh, just because they're going to be seated more, seated seated, and trying to strengthen the muscles that they don't see because everybody goes to the gym and does bicep curls and chest press and front raises to try to get the muscles that are in front of the body. A lot of core you know, um, crunches, reverse crunches to work on the six pack. So I try to work on the opposite side to make sure they stay as balanced as possible. Try to get them back into so-and-so called neutral. I say neutral. It's kind of depending on the person. Um, Hip hinge. Hip hinge is kind of like your deadlift, your RDLs, uh, kettlebell deadlifts, kettlebell swings where you're using your posterior chain of your lower body. So that's the lower back, the glutes, hamstring. I'll even put the calves in there with the posterior chain of the lower body. Um, and then your squat, that usually, that's usually the anterior chain, your quadriceps, all your legs um, of your back. And then finally, core work. Um, your core is usually, I tend to train isometrically. Those are your planks, your anti-rotation presses, your suitcase carries, farmer's walk. And then I also train through movement, um, try to do it in a safe manner as much as possible, such as crunches on a stability ball to keep moving from the low back, try to move through the thoracic spine, your rotation, band trunk twist, um, band chops, um, just moving the body in different manners and just kind of go from there, catching the med ball, throwing it back. Um, and as long as you hit at least one or two exercises in each category in a, in a 
an uh, exercise session, you basically hit the entire body. And if I'm seeing someone three times a week, I'm not going to really focus on upper and lower body um, training. I'm going to try to hit the full body every time they see me because that's, I guess, in my manner, you accumulate more total volume on each muscle group rather than alternating between upper and lower. You hit it Monday, you hit it Wednesday, and you hit it Friday. So overall, your total working set on each muscle group is going to be greater. You won't be as, you hopefully won't be as sore as if you just hit nothing but buys and back on one day. Usually in the bodybuilding style, there's nothing wrong with the bodybuilding style if you like and enjoy bodybuilding. But if they hit back and buys so much in one day that it roughly takes roughly a week to recover from that one bout. And if I'm working with general population, they actually like to go and do their job without <laughs> grimacing in pain from the broken, from breaking down so much muscle tissue in there, in those areas. So that's going to be it for this podcast. And I will see y'all next time or talk to y'all next time.